Every day we hoistle in at Pilots and Pictards Podcast. Welcome to the Pilots and Pittards Podcast. This is the podcast with nothing much to do about aircrafts, but potentially everything to do with the first episodes of a filmic series and what we think about that. Pittard is a real word, non-discriminatory. Pittards are bombs. Read your Shakespeare. That's true. Okay, and this is Drew. I am the pragmatic cyclops of the podcast. You need one of those. And I'm Jimbo, the anti-millennial, non-conforming, existentialist, pilot critic, and Kenny of the podcast. And unfortunately, listeners, the magical motherfucking Miss Mo, master of pilots, nostalgia boners, and spoilers, is out this week. But joining us, we have returning hoister jacob from the punisher body count and thank you jacob for joining us one more time no i appreciate it i feel like i should have worked on an intro or something like that i feel a little embarrassed over here i don't know but now i'm on the spot and i can't think of one so why don't why don't you take some of jimbo's adjectives he seems to have yeah you know i only came up with like two of those and then a lot of the other ones were (laughs) added on i noticed drew's actually drew's adjectives have have decreased somehow Mine are great. I have an adjective, an illusion, and a little saying that goes of mine. You got you got a mouthful. Yeah, sure do. The, but you know, it's been stable. But Jacob, man, you're our visiting Punisher expert, thoughtful analyst. Uh, dang, I could have said that one more. Damn, we're working existential nihilist in there. Nice, you know, so I can have that philosophy cred like you guys. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Dude. All right, cool. <laughs> Cyclops is a philosopher to some. Well, let's say this. Um, thank you to the Punisher Body Count for the ad-free listening today. They're sponsoring today's show. They they talk a lot of Punisher. Um, if you want to sponsor our show, keep us ad-free. You can follow our blog, participate in pre-recorded discussions, and just reach out. We are for sale. Yes, and one more comment. We are uh, messing with a new structure to the show. It's going to be a four-part structure. Please, hoisters, Give me any and all feedback if you like the new structure, if you dislike the structure, make your voices heard. We are the podcast you want to hear in the world. So part one is going to be spoiler free and we're going to be talking about the show. We're going to be more qualitative analysis of the show and whether you should watch the show or not or the series. Then we're going to move into a non-spoiler free literary slash film analysis and then we're going to move into our outside of the show dangling threads. And then part four will be the fun petard trivia. Drew is defending his title tonight. You know it's going to be fun because we said fun is included. It's always a good indicator of where fun lies. So if you only care about deciding whether you want to watch the show or not, stick around for part one. Yes. Join us today as we cast judgment and determine if the nostalgia-wrapped web comedy Cobra Kai... Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. <laughs> Will be hoisted or not hoisted? That is the question. I think I know where Jacob's going, but let's all get there together. Jacob, what's your background? Where are you at? Well, I was introduced to this by uh, Evo Santos uh, of Punisher HQ fame. Uh, Punisher HQ is a uh, Facebook page that does a much better job than uh, I do on uh, mining uh, Punisher uh, news deliciousness and putting it out there for everybody. Um, he first started talking about it, like around the time the, uh, the buzz was started before the trailer came out. And then when, uh, they put out their first trailer, I'm like, I'm instantly hooked. 
I went back and I watched uh, all the movies and I'm like, I'm totally on board with this. I, I wish it was a better story, but, but there you are. No, it's good. I'll, ju- I'll jump in real quick. Cause my background is actually Jacob pretty much. Um, we were recording the Punisher 3 a.m. episode. I think I'd seen, I don't think I'd watched a full trailer for Cobra Kai, but I knew it was a thing. And then Jacob was really, really into the idea of us watching Cobra Kai or at least watching the pilot. And, you know, Jacob, man, you were thoughtful and you seem like a cool dude on our podcast. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give this a shot. I'm glad I was able to fool somebody. I watched all 10 episodes. You were not incorrect about this show being interesting, but that's getting into another part. Jimbo, how about you? I grew up in the late 80s and early 90s, and so Karate Kid was a movie that I watched over and over again as a kid. I really don't remember parts two or three at all. I mean, I know I watched them, but I definitely watched the original a lot more. Or the next Karate Kid starring Hilary Swank. Now, now I will say this, and and a lot of people might find this to be uh, heresy, but... I think I kind of like the remake with Jackie Chan and Jane Smith a little bit more. Wow, I haven't seen that either. It's a cool movie. I, I think that it just has a little more heart. I think that I think that uh, Smith's performance is just a little bit better than Ralph Macchio. And I, I'm sorry, but I think Chan blows uh, Pat Morita out of the water. Yeah, those those are all probably fair. Now, are are they literally playing the same characters, or is it more just a retelling? Uh, no, they're not the same character. It's it's the same basic story structure, right? Where uh, it's fish out of water in a new environment, falls for a girl, gets picked on by someone much tougher. Uh, Jackie Chan's like the wise old janitor that saves him and then uh, teaches him Kung Fu and then he competes in their version of the All Valley. So the same basic structure is there. But it's cool. It's all in China too, which makes it very interesting. Oh, really? I did not realize that. Yeah, that makes it real cool. And I was just going to say, uh, Jackie Chan is a little more tragic, and I and I don't want to give away the spoiler, but uh, I mean, it's hard to top, you know, Pam Rita being, you know, a, a Japanese internment uh, prisoner and then going off and fighting the war. It, it's almost impossible to top that, right? So they give him another backstory, and, and he really shows his acting chops in that, I think. Nice. That might be worth, you know, watching, I guess. And you then, should, man. It's fun. Yeah. I'm going to add one more piece of background, and... Uh, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, but Will Smith was one of the producers. I did notice that. I, I did not notice that. That's pretty cool. But that just means he gave a bunch of money to the production. Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> That's, I guess what producers do. You so. know, he was he he was busy illegally climbing, you know, bridges and things. Will Smith's Instagram is a very interesting celebrity one. <laughs> he just does what he wants. Well, I mean, when he got that kind of money. You know, uh, I, I had actually watched a lot of interviews with the uh, writers and with uh, William Zabka and Ralph uh, Macchio. Uh, apparently the writers, and it's the same guys that wrote uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, which I think is a very interesting <laughs> juxtaposition. But um, they were inspired heavily by How I Met Your Mother, where um, one of the running gags in the later uh, episodes was that Neil Patrick Harris thought that... Uh, William Zabka was the real karate kid and he goes all into yeah. his into his logic on that. And then uh, so that's kind of what gave them the initial idea. And then when they saw Fuller House on Netflix, they were like, yeah, this could be a thing. And they talked to William Zabka first and he said, you know, look, hey, I want to do it. I always wanted to be part of the franchise going forward. But, you know, the one caveat's got to be I'm not 
you know, strictly the bad guy. And they were totally on board with that. So yeah, he was totally uh, shaping the uh, story, you know, from the very uh, beginning. Yeah, that's and that's some good background as well. And you know what? That yeah, the, like this just clicked to me. This is a very sitcom thing to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I think we are ready to move into our two sentence summary. Johnny is obsessed with his fall from Cobra Kai hotshot high schooler to unemployed, deadbeat, drunk dad. What will happen when Johnny runs into his successful high school nemesis, Daniel? Stay tuned to find out if you should give a steaming pile of crap. Man, that's really good. I wish I would have read that before writing mine, but I put... I actually wrote mine after. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I put a a Rashomon-esque story where Johnny Lawrence is the hero of his own story. Fun fact, like I, a buddy of mine told me this. Like Whenever we throw around the term Rashomon, which is meant to be you know, a story, the same story told from multiple points of view, that actually doesn't come from the story uh, Rashomon by uh, Kira Rianosuke, I think is his name. It's actually his story uh, in the Grove. Everyone gets the Rashomon from the movie, but the movie is based on another story, so... There you go. There's some there's some free trivia for you. I actually haven't heard that phrase before, so What do we have discussed Murder in the Grove and Last Jedi on multiple occasions? I didn't know that phrase though. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's really good. I'll t- I'll tell you what, my first introduction uh to Rashomon was from the story or from the movie uh Ghost Dog The Way of the Samurai starring Forrest Whitaker. Fantastic movie. Yeah, fantastic movie. Actually, Sorry for the tangents. That movie right there. See, I grew up in Arkansas, okay? Like, I'm, like, as you can tell, like, I look like a Southern good old boy. I look like I just j- hopped on this computer from my 18 wheeler, right? Um, and I kind of grew up in that kind of mentality of, oh, everyone should speak English and blah, blah, blah. But when I watched Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, I went out and immediately bought the Hagakure and Rashomon and read those. And, that just changed my life. I started getting into Japanese culture and stuff like that until eventually I got my minor in college in Japanese language and culture. So, wow. Nice. Yeah. I mean, did you, art can change your life, man. Did, uh, did you see who the director of ghost dog was? Uh, Jim Jarmusch, right? If I'm yeah. pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. Dude's a really cool outsider artist. And I'm not sure how many other films he made. Cause I'm primarily know him from like, his weird, like, he does that kind of art where, like, you interact with it and, like, mm-hmm. your expression and, like, the way you look at it. And sometimes they film you interacting with it, like, weird stuff. So I was, like, I'd watched Ghost Dog before I was into, like, directors and writers and stuff. And then when I went back, I was, like, isn't Jim Jarmusch that just weird performance art guy? Yeah, I, I didn't know all that. I just knew him as a director, so... Okay, hoisters. I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna get us into that part one that I promised. Okay, so this right. so uh, we are we are gonna try and stay spoiler free for this. And so now we're talking explicitly about the pilot episode. And Jacob, what was your just first impression without jump jumping into any MVPs yet? Immediately, you could tell that the writers were not fanboying out. Like you could tell that everyone involved was a fan of the original uh, source material movie and not just the uh, first movie, but all three of them or all three of the core ones. I'm not talking about next karate kid or anything like that, but um, just the uh, level of respect that they did with that. And then just really putting in the thought to what would these characters be like 35 years later, 
Um, and I think that's one of the uh, main takeaways that uh, that I got from that from that very first episode, seeing where the high school jock ends up, seeing where that nerdy kid ends up and, and where life takes them. One thing I noticed, sorry, Jibba, one thing I noticed just connected to what you said was you guys noted that Will Smith was one of the producers. Um, Machio and Zabka were the two other main producers. So I think that like they got a lot of input as to their characters. And I think that speaks to what you're saying about like, who are these people 35 years later? Cause I think there's an interesting real world parallel in that this is a pinnacle, the movie for these two people. Like it's not like Machio or Zabka went on to bigger things. So I kind of enjoyed that as like a meta parallel. I cut you off Jimbo. I'm sorry. I thought it was a perfect amount of original karate kid mixed in not to make this about JJ Abrams or star Wars, but I'm glad that it wasn't like a J.J. Abrams just jerking off the original portrayal of of trying to continue the le- le- the legacy, but also just showing off. And, and so I didn't feel like it did that. Like, I kind of hate J.J. Abrams for doing. And we kind of talked about this last week because we did Castle Rock. And not to, and not to jump the gun on, on the um, MVPs, but yeah, we like flashback at least twice a decent amount, but, but it wasn't overdone. And you don't have to have seen those ori- original movies to get it either. Well, I was going to say, too, to prove that, I watched this with my daughter. We tried to show her the original film, and she fell asleep, like, pretty much right <laughs> away. <laughs> so she didn't really see the uh, the uh, first movie, but she got into this instantly and pretty much understood the character motivations and everything. And she's 10, so, I mean, I think that speaks volumes for the appropriate amount of flashbacks that they used to put you in the headspace of the characters. Yeah. That's that tightrope that narrative drama needs to walk, you know, like, yeah, a lot of properties draw on your prior knowledge, but they still want to tell a story that you could walk into fresh. Now, sometimes that goes really well. Like there's a nice balance of this is a good entry point, but also if you are a fan here are some Easter eggs or here's some little tips of the hat to you. This show did that really well. But then other times, like, you know, a worse show or a different show will just like continually, continually, continually roll out the premise, you know, or continually, continually, continually throw out Easter eggs. But yeah, Cobra Kai walks that really nice fine line of here's a smidgen of original Karate Kid. Even if it wasn't your jam, you're going to get what you need from this because it's still good visual storytelling. Definitely. And I and I think uh, the reason why they were able to uh, achieve that, uh, again, listening to the writers in one of their interviews, they said that they would all keep each other in check, that if someone wrote something, the other two were highly encouraged to be like, does that throwback really work here? Is this just a... Uh, uh, you know, a callback for a callback's sake, you know, does it really work here? And they worked really hard to, uh, to keep it to a minimal and and keep it where it belongs. So Jimbo, what were you not too, too big on? The present day fight scene was pretty cheesy. And then, and this is so, um, it's, it's so, it's so fitting. We, we had a character in Punisher 3am called Donnie and all four of us hated Donnie. <laughs> in this episode, we have Donnie 2.0. And and I hated that kid. Jeez, I actually, I like I actually agree. I'll talk to you a little bit. I'll talk to you a little bit about this later. I okay. would not say this kid is Donnie level. Because, like, do I need to remind you of Donnie? 
going into his shitty life and then the punisher like phasing him out there's a reason the punisher phased him out there's a reason this guy doesn't get phased out he gets he tries to phase him out he's unfazable donnie 2.0 it's a storytelling device man oh actually i i I thought I was agreeing with you for a second because I misremembered who Donnie was. Uh, I, thought you were talk- <laughs> I thought you were talking about the guy that uh, kept going up to Frankie being like, you don't want me as an enemy, pal. No, no, I no. I thought you were talking that about that guy. Not Donnie. I'm not no, sure. then, then I have to disagree. <laughs> okay, okay, that's fine. Well, that well, well, that was my Th- take Though I see, I see where you're coming from, though. Yeah. But come back to the fight scene. So, like, it just didn't work for you? Why? Not, not to jump the gun on the lit- literary analysis point. It seems like Karate Kid is based on like adults beating up high schoolers. <laughs> you don't like the message it's sending, okay? No, you I just I just it. think it's cheesy and kind Art of has a message. Yeah, not even the message. I'm fine with beating up some high schoolers, you know, especially the the ones they beat up probably deserved it in this in this episode at least. But I don't know, man. It just comes off weird, and it's all the movies. But to be fair, he did have consequences for that, like. It, it it wasn't yes, like yes. in it wasn't yeah. like in the Karate Kid movie where um, Mr. Miyagi yeah, assaults yeah. three children, yeah. and, and, beats and, up three fifteen year olds, right? Maybe the, it's two thirteen year olds and fifteen year olds. Yeah, but I the mean, cops not, the cops don't even come question him, right? Yeah, oh, I'm that not, was that was the eighties, man. I, yeah, I'm not questioning enough. it on like ethical or like you know, I'm questioning it just off of why can't he get in a fight with some dudes at a bar? I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I just think it comes back to that whole trope that I don't personally like, which is everything is relatable if it's high school. It's like, let's go to the lowest common denominator. Not everyone went to college. Not everyone's a cop. Not everyone's a blah, blah, blah. Everyone went to high school. Let's make this relatable by setting it in the high school and making everything related back to high school. Because don't you remember high school kind of sucking? Well, these are high schoolers, but it's not in high school at all in this in It's isolated. It's about high school. It's, yeah, it's a degree. Cause it's high school literally. adjacent. Yeah, I know, and they're also they're still rooted in that heyday. So I mean, their heads are still in uh, high school as well. Well, uh, those are my loaves. You know, I I I think I see what you're saying because, uh, from a meta standpoint, the point of that fight scene was to establish that uh, Johnny still knows karate. He's still, you know, a relative badass. You know, compared to everybody else. And I think what you're saying is he that scene could have been demonstrated and arguably better if he was taking on adults as opposed to you know some punk ass kids yeah and and i mean i didn't watch any of the other episodes but i think this is you know let's save this for uh the literary analysis um i want to come back to a high point um this is a, a nice diverse cast a lot of different people it's set in california so i mean yeah ralph macchio and zapko were there but also like i like the new kid when he was like there's like there's a couple of good jokes at the expense of like Johnny being older, but he's like, oh great, more immigrants, and the kid's like, we're from Irvine, you know, yeah. he's a Hispanic kid, but he's like, I, I think it was Irvine, but he said like some other place in California. I think it was Riverside was like, or something. Oh, it was yeah, Riverside. Riverside. Oh, clever. I like that joke. So nice diverse cast. Um, and I don't want to do a spoiler for the rest of the series, but they found good young actors. Um, they found a lot of good actors in general. Um. I was impressed by the acting um, overall, mostly because, yeah, like, it's not like the kids from Karate Kid went on to be stars. Like, the people on Titanic kind of took off. You know, nobody in Karate Kid really went on to do anything. So my expectations were not high. And it just seemed like they found a lot of really good people and people I'd never seen before. And I, I can't think of a single bad performance 
in the entire uh, season. And then people make fun of like shows like Friends and Seinfeld, where it's like, that's a show set in New York with no black people or Hispanic people. And I'm like, no, like <laughs> this is Cobra Kai is set in like Los Angeles. There's a lot of different kinds of people there. I didn't see it as that diverse, though. You have a the one one high school punk is Asian and Donnie two is Hispanic and Rhonda's on the couch. <laughs> uh, Sam Ralph Machio's daughter, uh, she's friends with a uh, black girl. Okay, yeah. So so that's after the pilot. There's like different people working there. So I mean, di- diverse doesn't mean that like every single person. I get it. Yes, it just yes. means it's not just one kind of person. Even though it's Cobra Kai, it could have just been like more. Of like what the '80s movie was, which was like white dudes. So they made an effort, and but yeah, Jacob and I do have a little more foresight into what the show will become too. Well, and uh, this is pretty minor, but um, Johnny's uh, stepdad's uh, home health care workers. Yeah, yeah, Rhonda. Yeah, Rhonda. Rhonda, and the lady who works at Larusso Chevrolet. You know, yeah, she's helpful. Go. She's like, "What's wrong with you? We have the best body shop in the valley. <laughs> we chop the prices." I know that kind of makes me mad though. When people want to like, they're like, don't you want the deal? I'm like, I know what I want. Like, you know, yeah. I've heard your sales pitch, <laughs> but that's uh, a little thing. though. that's not the show. This actually leads me to my last high point. Daniel LaRusso's ads are, are oh, very boy. fun. Oh, they're fun. So, so, I mean, there's definitely, I wouldn't say it's like comedy, but there's like some, you know, some nice irony going on. I actually have Ralph's uh, karate is kind of my low point. Uh, and that, I mean, in, in the, the way ads. he does his, yeah, in the way he does it in the ads and everything, like, I know that he actually did karate for the movies and everything, right? And, like, every time I see him do a move, I, it just looks like an old man trying to do karate, right? It it doesn't seem fl- fluid or, or anything. And, That's and what me, I liked it, about it, I guess. <laughs> he just doesn't look like someone who could have won an All-Valley. But it, even back in the day, his karate looked awful. In my opinion, he's a herky jerky Spider Man, like with like some spindly <laughs> limbs and whatnot. Um, I like that though. I was kind of on Jimbo's side, as in like he looks like the kind of guy who was like, "Hey, did you did you do karate? Be like karate, like the kind of guy who would like <laughs> correct you like that, and then like still do the moves correctly, but like you would look and be like, that looks weird. And you'd be like, this is how it's actually done, right? In dojos, it's karate. So this show carries a lot of the DNA of the original three movies. Jimbo, the third uh, Karate Kid, was very much was it maybe the second Karate Kid was very much about bonsai trees. So even though the first um, it was the third movie. Okay, the third movie was all about Japan and bonsai trees. Okay, well then I have seen the third movie. I definitely remember yeah, that. And like yeah. Daniel almost falls off a cliffside trying yep, to get a bonsai yeah, tree. Yeah, that's... my neighbor makes bonsai trees. Man, it's not that hard. No, I had a bonsai tree. Yeah, well, like the thing is, at the time, I was like, wow, these specific trees that like grow off the coast of like rocky japanese islands <laughs> no man you just gotta like grab the tree and do some stuff to it like snip its limbs while it's little yeah and and fun fact for our our, our bonsai listeners out there a bonsai just means a tree that's under a meter so it doesn't have to be it can be any tree <laughs> but you know it's the character of the bonsai i don't know I, i'm probably talking out of my ass and someone's gonna correct <laughs> me but uh well actually um, Jacob <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet the uh the the sai and bonsai is the same as the sai and chi sai which means small so I bet you that character it, it probably literally means small tree I mean I'd have to see the kanji 
I'm being that I'm being that karate guy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and unless unless we have anything else to add, I think it's time for us to move into our MVPs. Drew, Drew, did you have one last low point? No, I had a quick note. Okay. Jacob, the next time that you are on our show, one of your little adjectives at the beginning will be Jacob, our karate guy. <laughs> that was it, Chippo. Let's go to MVPs. Hoisters, we have our most valuable part of the pilot. This can be anything on screen, off screen, or anything in between. Whatever we felt was the most valuable part of this pilot. And we are going to keep it spoilerish free. So go ahead, Jacob. What was your MVP for this pilot? My MVP, I'm going with most valuable player here, uh, Billy Zapka, William Zapka, whatever he wants to go by. Man, where has this guy been? He gives the most solid performance uh, in this episode. You instantly, or he instantly makes Johnny Lawrence a three-dimensional character. You feel bad for him. He's got, he was this, you know, super popular rich kid, but now he's down on his luck. He's driving this beat up Trans Am, you know, hanging TVs for, uh, you know, trophy wives, you know, fucking drinks beer and fried and eats fried bologna gets sentimental watching iron eagles like you just really feel for this guy and and you want to root for him but at the same time you know he's that asshole that used to bully uh people his performance is outstanding and i actually have to take issue with what you were saying about the uh fight scene i actually thought that fight scene was fantastic i i felt that his moves looked really uh smooth was that him was that him was he doing it looked like it i yeah it looked like him i think it was him uh, I mean, maybe there was some stunt doubles uh, here and there, but it, the, here's the thing. Like, I'll agree that maybe that karate doesn't look like how it would in a dojo, because yeah, in real life, it probably does look like what Ralph Machio does. Karate. Yeah. <laughs> but he also doesn't make it look super slick like uh, like a Bourne movie or, you know, something like that. It's it, it's still really fluid. And, uh, and for someone his age, like, I think he's like 55 you know, I, I realize like people are getting older and still doing awesome things now, uh, but I don't know. His, his performance was outstanding and I want to see his career like take off. Like I know he's been in other things, but I really want to see him get like a leading role in a movie because he is that good in, in my opinion. He even looked, he even looked, looked like he pulled a groin or something Like right. he did that <laughs> kick and he's like, oh, oh. He's... <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's interesting too is like, between you know Machio and Zapka, like I would say Machio had the better career after Karate Kid, even though it wasn't that much better. But he already had a somewhat career before. He did, but I mean Zapka like does outact him in this pilot, and you know it was almost a low point for me. But I knew we were going to talk about him in MVPs. If you were unsure about watching his second episode because of how much you may dislike aspects of his character. They do go to some pretty extreme lengths to do like the most heinous things in the first show so that he has some kind of arc in the pilot, you know? But yeah, like I, I took that out of like a low point because I mean, it's on purpose and whatnot, but he is, he's definitely like playing a really good rock bottom in this first episode. I would agree. That's, that's definitely a, a solid MVP choice. Yeah. And, and I think we're going to come back to this when we jump into our literary analysis part. All right, Drew, what was your MVP? Because mine, I think, is very closely related to yours. Not going to throw that many spoilers, but there's a point about halfway through um, the the pilot where 
there's just like this glorious 80s song that plays along with a montage of like again like we talked about some earlier clips and johnny in the present day and it's great um i couldn't even tell when i was listening to it or watching it if that song was in the original movie it was that like well chosen and you know again that kind of plays with that idea that i talked about in is this like a meta textual story as in like is it these two guys getting to retell this story 35 years later thinking about the high point of their life you know and so i liked that a lot like those two things juxtaposed against each other the meta textualness of the story along with like the actual story which is about thinking about the best day of your life and are they behind you that's a great scene and and my mvp was more just the general nostalgia i also said like the you know the homage to uh, the 80s because i mean there's such a huge 80s presence in this in this pilot episode not just the actual clips from the 80s movie but even just like you know the present day scenes they're using 80s music in the background and it does have a really strong 80s feel for me at least like he's watching an 80s movie at home and there's just a a lot of 80s going on jimbo and jacob flash nobo question largest nostalgia boner in the pilot machio zapka someone who really likes cobra kai and the original movies what's the question (laughs) who had the biggest nostalgia boner you know i'm i'm actually gonna say uh billy zapka and here's why uh because I obviously had a huge nostalgia boner uh, watching this, but when you put your put your head in the headspace of um, Johnny Lawrence, you're you're looking at a guy who's past his prime, and he wants desperately to jump into Doc Brown's DeLorean and go back and relive those days. Um, and he he's self aware of the shell of a man that he's become. And I think that's why he's got the bigger, uh, the no, no bow, no bow. There you go. I'm trying to get cool with the lingo here. Now, he, let me throw this one out there just for debate's sake. And this could be the end of it. I will make the case for Machio. <laughs> he takes, he takes a little shot at, uh, at Johnny. You know, he's, he's clearly the more successful guy on a number of levels. And he still, uh, he still gives him a little, uh, gives him a little elbow, throws an elbow in there. So, I mean, maybe he's living in that no bow past. Johnny is dying from like the eighties ulcer or something. <laughs> he has like a giant eighties, like lymphoid cancer or something, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but Lymphoid. Daniel definitely didn't get the memo that living well is the best revenge. Yeah, that's true. If that's it, then uh, Jimbo, are we ready for the watch or rewatch? Hoisters. Now the moment before the moment we've all been waiting for, are we going to, watch this series or in drew and jacob's case are they going to rewatch this series and what's it going to be jacob rewatch definitely rewatch drew yeah um the season two comes out next year um it was a pretty big success for youtube red um i'm gonna probably rewatch the first season before the second season starts i watched the entire 10 episode season in like two days it was awesome I said I wasn't going to continue watching it. I kind of felt like going back and watching Karate Kid, especially Karate Kid Part 2. And now that, that we brought up that the Bonsais were in Part 3, Part 3 maybe as well, Mrs. Nomalous is interested in continuing watching the series. And she's never seen any Karate Kid. so She's got good taste. So, we, so, so I will probably watch it with her because we typically kind of watch something as, as we eat dinner at night. Do it do it quick because you don't want to pay for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have seven days. <laughs> 
The first two episodes, Hoisters, are free on YouTube if you haven't gone and watched them yet. The last eight episodes are free, too, if you can watch them in six days. <laughs> yep. Now, Hoisters, the moment we've all been waiting for. To hoist or not to hoist, that is the question. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to break some hearts. I am going to hoist this episode. I thought it's... It's definitely a fun episode, but as far as uh, you know, my 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 new criteria, I don't think it had me engaged enough to really keep watching it if I wasn't going to talk about it for this this podcast. Jimbo, I'm gonna partially agree, but still disagree on a key point. This is a not hoist for me, but this could have been better. Um, I'm gonna compare this to another pilot that we watched in the Q for B, put it anywhere segment. I'll get into it a little bit there, but this could have been better, especially considering how much I liked the rest of the nine episodes. Because, dude, shit gets cray. You are you guys are going to watch more than one episode during dinner. You're going to have, like, a long dinner. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah, this is, a, this is a qualitative, this is a qualified not hoist. Jacob, where do you stand? Something is rotten in the state of Denmark, and Jacob's taking <laughs> out the trash. Sorry, I, I felt like I had to do some Shakespeare in, in there nice. to keep up here. From the Petard play, it's yep, that one. Yep. <laughs> okay, keep going. I gotta go not hoist. I mean, no surprise. I, I think everyone saw this coming. Not hoist. I, I, I think I'm definitely going to rewatch this at work. So, I mean, I'm not like super paying attention to it, but I've definitely listened to it while I'm cranking out some code. Um, yeah, not hoist. All right, so by split decision, including outside expert analysis... This is a not hoist. Loyal listeners, we're going to jump into our part two. In part two, um, we might let a spoiler or two slip, depending on what the segment is. No, hoisters, part two is very much full of spoilers. If you give a shit about spoilers, stop listening. Yeah, that's true. But I, I was making the point that some, 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 some aspects will be spoilery or more spoilery than others. But you're right. There's this is chock full of spoilers. So Mo would love this segment. We should call this the Mo like the most something the momentum so part two including spoilers let's jump into shrek breasts most very favorite category this is the crabman award and jimbo for those listeners who are still sticking with us through these lengthy explanations about the show what is a crabman so a crabman goes to a usually a intellectual being that gives way more than they take typically a character with very little screen time but is doing a lot either for our viewing pleasure or for the story in general. Jacob, you know, guess first. Who Who is your crab man? I gotta go Kyler. So Kyler is the uh, Asian kid that uh, beats up uh, Diaz in the uh, uh, first episode, and he is the little shit throughout the entire uh, series. I mean, he's basically the analog counterpart of a young Johnny Lawrence Probably, probably a little more douchier. Uh, I'm going to give uh, Johnny some credit, but I think what's great about him is you hate him from the moment he is on the screen, and you orgasm a little bit when he gets the shit kicked out of him both times. I was almost considering that a low point, but that's exactly how you're supposed to feel, and it was executed so well that I that that I couldn't give it the low point. I'm going to nom- nominate Rhonda, and I'm kind of thinking Sid. Is such an asshole. I think he just calls her Rhonda because she's black. I don't even think Rhonda's name is Rhonda. <laughs> oh, 
and she just kind of deals with it. Yeah, she's this guy's about to die probably, so she just you know sitting there. She likes him just enough to warn him about his blood pressure. That's interesting. I before you had posited the theory of her name not being Rhonda, I was like, eh, okay, that's a good one. <laughs> My crab man might be the crabbiest of crab men or crab ladies or crab bums. And she probably has crabs. She she might have crabs, but um, the bum who wanders in behind Johnny when he's sitting there eating a piece of pizza on the curb does so many things with so little time. She's funny. Like that's a funny line. She wants him to get away from you know her area. Okay, so it's good comedic timing. B it once again just points out that Johnny's a loser, and that Johnny is such a loser <laughs> that not only does like the guy in the convenience mart not care about him and just bare hand his freaking piece of pizza, but like a bum who is you know, pretty raggedy looking, thinks that he is a worse bum because she's like, this is my area. You are lower on the bum tier than me. Get out of here. (laughs) And she's about to use some karate on him. (laughs) (laughs) I think the the, uh, worker at the at the mini mart could have easily been a crab man. If he didn't throw out that stupid, you have a small dick comment. If he just would have been like manhandling homeboys pizza the whole time and like said nothing to him, that would have, that would have been crab worthy. Also like they play on this thing. where like, dude, white people get enough Spanish. We've hit the cultural threshold. We're like, come on, dude. And pendejo. Like, come on. (laughs) Everyone knows the cusses. Everyone knows what the bad words are. So like he's lived in California his whole life. <laughs> Diaz, you're not it's not that deep of a cut when like if I hadn't been there, I probably could have been like, yeah, this dude's probably making fun of me for being an asshole. I agree, that's a strong performance too. But yeah, I like the bum. And also as Jacob can attest to, I will use Jacob's logic because he uses a little bit of Skylar later in the series. The bum is hilarious, and she has many a good moment later in the series. Jacob's right. It is this is well acted top to bottom. Yeah, I think the supporting cast is is pretty pretty strong. A lot of a lot of potential crab men. Even Sid is was putting in a fairly strong crab crab performance as well. Had, had I could been able to consider the series as a whole, Sid is still a a, a strong contender as well. You know, because later on, um, you get into a little bit more of uh, you know, how much uh, he was a shit stepdad to uh, Johnny. I don't know. He definitely plays a really good support role for the lack of screen time that he has. Because I think if you add up all of his scenes, he maybe has a minute 30 on the entire show. But the way he shapes the characters is still pretty impressive. I think he's one of the better known actors. When the most famous person in the show or the movie, all of their scenes are in one place. It means that they came and did like two days of shooting. If that. Yeah, if that. So, but um, I think Sid is. minutes of shooting. He's only at one scene. Yeah, well, I mean, as Jacob was saying, he's. Oh, yeah, he comes back. Okay. But still, he only comes back in like this this one set. So, but yeah, that's a cool one to do. So, Jimbo, are we going to do our our good old silver medal to decide? Yep. So, um, so here's how it's going to work we're each going to choose one of the other two people's crab men. And so, I'm sorry, Jacob, I know you are a guest. I have to choose the bum over Kyler. Ooh, and uh, Jacob, I'm also going to apologize to you as our guest because um, I'm choosing <laughs> alternate reality Rhonda. I'm actually choosing Marie. Her name is Marie, Ooh. but Sid calls her Rhonda, so I'm choosing Marie. And Jacob, you will announce the Crab Man winner or Crab Crab Woman, ladies and gentlemen. The silver medal for the Crab Man Award goes to the Bomb. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, you guys really talked me into it. The the more you guys talked about it and explained to it, like in her head, she's Cinderella. You know, this dude over here is like the mouse in the uh, the fireplace. Wait, wait. So wait, you 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 announced the silver medal. Well, it's... oh, whatever. I thought the silver medal was the winner. I don't know. The bum wins. The bum wins. Yeah. Uh, oh, the bum shit. Wins. I, th- I thought Rhonda was coming in with the gold, man. Her name's Marie. I thought Marie. I don't know. Edit that to make me sound smarter. Okay. Yeah, dude, we got you. So, <laughs> Crab Bum Award. Crab Bum Award. This is our first Crab Bum Bum Award, too. That that Lady Bum. Okay, Hoisters, and this is... Uh, Things are are running a bit longer than I expected, but that's but that's cool. We we are gonna dive into our literary analysis, and now we're gonna we we might even have to cut the dangling threads because I think we have a decent amount to talk about. So let's let's just let's just go back to to uh, Johnny. I have I have this idea that the pilot kind of pitch like portrays it as like this is the worst day of his life. I think this is his life. Like this is not an exceptionally worse day than any other day in Johnny Lawrence's life. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I think what makes it so depressing is how mundane it is. You know, like we're not looking at like bad thing after bad thing after bad thing happening to Johnny and the pilot. What makes it depressing is we're looking at the rut. You know, we're looking at like the dent in the car seat that is Johnny's life. And it sucks. You know, he's surviving in that place of like he may not even know any better. So, yeah, I think that's one of the worst. I think that's one of the parts that makes it the most compelling. I mean, I, I haven't seen it, but but if you guys want to talk a little bit outside the pilot as well, he's not just an alcoholic. He's not just a shitty employee. He's also a shitty dad. Like, he's pretty shitty just all around. He's a racist. He really has no redeeming qualities until maybe the last few seconds of the pilot. He's a right-wing reactionary, I, I think is more how I would put it, as opposed to just straight racist. Okay, I mean, he calls the kid Manito. No, no, he he, he does. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to... D- d- I'm not trying to defend it. I, I'm just saying that, like, I would just say he's more racially insensitive, right? Because his first student is Diaz, right? He doesn't turn away people uh, on their race, and he doesn't, you know, deny them opportunities. And then he actually develops a deep bond with uh, uh, with Diaz as the series goes on and everything. Um, so that's why I don't think it's that. And I say he's a right-wing reactionary because he says a lot of the shit that – that I would say on first glance, like peanut allergies is fucking made up. Get the hell out of here with that shit. Uh, I realize peanut allergies are a real thing. Don't, don't send me angry emails. Uh, I, I'm just saying all, all that like nonsense stuff that you hear. I would, I would say though, that that comes from like the blind spot of like white privilege that like Johnny views. Every- Absolutely. But, but I'd still say that that's, that has a racial component. Cause I think that Johnny views everything from his own, lens from his own experience and that's if it happened to him it can happen to anybody or like his experience is universal and so the thing is even though he's not overtly racist like he's not overtly making someone's life worse you know and he does have like a a nice um bond and like a nice relationship with diaz as the series goes on that you know he's straddling that line because he is i think an audience surrogate for people like johnny who kind of feel like hey what happened to the world like damn dude like i'm not racist when i say that but like that still contributes to like larger societal problems when people don't want to get outside of like their own experience so i think he's a very relatable person and i think he has an arc but i would say that i mean and it's a comedy we don't have to go mega into it but yeah you know his actions are 
racially tinged. Oh, sure. I, like a lot of things, there's uh, a continuum, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I would agree that he's like on the low end of the uh, racist uh, spectrum. I mean, he's not out there shouting the N-word. He's not denying students because of the color of their skin. But yes, he's definitely saying uh, insensitive things. He's assuming because Diaz is... Uh, you know, has brown skin that he's an illegal. He even calls him an illegal to the health inspector in the second episode. So I I guess when I hear the term racism, I'm thinking of, you know, systematically denying people opportunities because of the color of their skin. I'll actually flop in and uh, join Jacob on, 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 on his interpretation. I mean, personally, I think everyone's racist. Even the least racist person is still racist. But, but like when I called Johnny racist, I meant like, the racist that 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 Jacob and you know like kind of took away from that, and he's not he's not really that racist person. He's just an asshole that thinks it's okay to make fun of people based off of their race. Which yeah, I mean like it's racist, but he's not like the racist that Jacob is talk, talking about. He's not that hardcore racist. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. I just think that there's a racial component to his privilege, and that like when you put a lot of Johnnies together, you know like. A you, lot of their get difference the and a lot of like their thing. Well, no, you don't get the clan. You just get like a lot of like a silent majority that like sure. makes decisions a certain way that they don't want to share in public, but that definitely like influences like the direction of our country, to be honest. But there's but there's no evidence of that in the pilot, at least. That's true. That that's, I mean, well, I mean, you're like yeah. like you're like insinuating just because he grew up in a well off area and 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 he's white, which is fair. Like, that's a fair um you know critique no it, it totally is he grew i mean we find out later in the series that he grew up super rich uh which we kind of knew from the movie even though it's not explicitly yes. said because he is part of that uh country club for super wealthy people mm-hmm. which ironically that's the uh country club in uh episode two so i think that there's kind of a, a weird uh full circle that uh daniel made fun of those people and now he's part of uh, of that group. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, kind of the whole thing, you know, you, you've become what you've hated. There's a lot of, I think that's one of the cool themes of the show in general is like, not exactly the cyclical nature of change in time, but, you know, Jacob, you mentioned having a daughter and like, I, I recently, along with Jimbo, had a kid. And like the thing is, it kind of makes you reflect on your own childhood and the own, all, own change you had. That's one of my favorite things about, um, the the show in general is just how it deals with like generational change and like what you end up with and where those experiences come from like how formative is it so that's kind of cool you brought that up this is a great dangling thread maybe we should just call this section like literary analysis or dangling thread or whatever the hell we talk about we just call it analysis too <laughs> that's fun too okay. yeah analysis okay in, in my main uh, analysis that i uh, that i keep telling everyone and please correct me because I'm not, you know, the most well-read person or, or have not seen the most movies and TV series. But to the best of my knowledge, this is the only thing, the only story that I've watched that has simultaneous uh, characters who are both the antagonist and the protagonists. Because um, you're with Johnny, right, from the very first episode and you feel sorry for him and he's helping out the little guy and, and all this. But then you remember he's an asshole. You know, he is, say, you know, being racially insensitive. He's, you know, knocking kids around when he maybe should have been the adult and, and all that. Um, so so then you kind of get back on team uh, Daniel. Uh, but 
Daniel later on in the series is doing dick moves like having the landlord jack up his lease. He's trying to get him banned from the uh, All Valley uh, Karate Tournament. Uh, so they 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 both switch back and forth from being the good guy and the bad guy. And I've never seen that done, or at least not done this well. Well, I think what's interesting too is um, it's kind of like words versus action. And then there are, there are definitely people who believe that words are action. And I'm I'm a person who believes that to a degree, but it's kind of like Johnny's words are shitty, you know, and kind of problematic. Whereas Daniel's words, he's saying all the right things. Johnny's actions are pretty straightforward and are pretty good. You know, even if he can't articulate what the right thing is, he generally does the right thing. Daniel does some like, yeah, he does some dick shit and he does some like shitty things. Even though he's saying all the right things, you know, he's not doing the right things. Uh, Jacob, well, actually, Jimbo, do you want to jump in on that? But I want to come back to your idea about protagonist and antagonist. Jacob, I did research. I would just agree with what you guys said. So, Jacob, I actually did a little web searching and a little bit of thinking about your, is this one of the ones where the protagonist and antagonist are the only examples? And Jimbo, you know, I, I wish you'd shouted it out earlier because we're both Killing giant. Eve? Ham- what? Well, Killing Eve's there, but I was going to say Hamilton, I think, is a really great example of a protagonist and antagonist having parallel journeys where there's a lot of sympathy for I think both. it's pretty straightforward, though, in uh, Hamilton. We're talking about the, uh, the play, the right? Yeah, 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 the yeah, play. The play. Mm-hmm. Burr's mm. the bad guy, dude. It's almost black and white. I would say Burr gets, like, a lot of latitude, and, like, I think he gets a parallel narrative. I mean, yeah, the show's called Hamilton, but... It goes out of its way to, like, humanize Burr when, like, the majority of United States history has not done that. And then, dude, Leslie Odom won the Tony, you know? And well, that's Miranda just because he's the most talented person on the cast. I think he has the hardest job, too. You know, he tells, you know, like, the story we need sympathy. Well, I haven't seen it. I've only listened to it maybe a hundred times. <laughs> you've, you've, you've basically experienced it, though. Um, uh, Jacob, if you have not listened to Hamilton a hundred times, I recommend it with the ferocity that you recommended Cobra Kai. <laughs> I, I actually plan on seeing it. My daughter is really into it. She listens to the songs all the time and it's supposed to come here to Indianapolis sometime soon. Ooh. And you know what? I, I'm just going to dip into my retirement account and pay the jacked up tickets. And I'm just going to tell her, Hey, this is like your birthday and Christmas present, you know, for this for the year. next decade. <laughs> Do it. Hopefully My it won't parents. be that expensive, but I've heard tickets are what, like four or 500 bucks. They might be. I have no idea. Um, we, my wife got me tickets in Denver cause there was a digital waiting room. And so we got, we got face price and then my wife and I saw it in Chicago and we had to like, I had to stay on hold with American express for six and a half hours oh, wow. to get access to those, to get face value tickets. Jimbo, both worth it. No regrets. Um, but uh, yeah, if you don't buy tickets on the secondary market, there's still a couple hundred bucks. But like when you hear like tickets are like five hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred dollars, people are scalping. Sure. Though that one came to mind, and also uh, Fight Club got shouted out in this article I was reading about antagonists mixing with protagonists. So I can see you're that. right. I don't think it's common. I mean, I guess any anytime you're dealing with. With like an anti-hero, you maybe kind of have like some questions, like maybe like maybe the shield, like at least on the on the pilot episode. Yeah, well, I was definitely thinking more along the lines of which characters are you know motivating the story. Whereas, like, say the fugitive as an example, uh, Harrison Ford is the protagonist the entire film. I mean, he's outside of the law, obviously, but 
he's the one that the crowd is or that the viewer is supposed to cheer for. And it's Tommy Lee Jones putting the roadblocks in his way uh, to build conflict for the story. Whereas in, in Cobra Kai, it's Daniel and Johnny constantly circling and getting in each other's way and driving each other's uh, arcs. You're right. It's very cool and very interesting. Yeah. And I, and I would say very intentional, obviously, as, as we already discussed, or at least Jacob mentioned with the, uh, with the writers. I'm going to toss out one more. Jacob, did you have a comment about, about Drew's? Uh, not about Drew's, but uh, I, okay. if I could just add real quick, I yeah. love how they respected all three of the Ralph Macchio films because there's something from each one of those that, uh, comes back you know obviously the save stuff- it save it okay cool. save it you might need that in in oh. guitar trivia and okay I okay that. all right all right drew is the favorite each six week and four six and four because i think you're six and three man okay six and three that's yeah. still a but, winning um, record i know but drew's participated in every single petard trivia he's witnessed them all so our our guest as you jacob have never unless you've been listening don't know what you know what's you know like what they're stepping into thanks thanks for giving him that big old hint yeah 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 <laughs> so so one more thing what is what is johnny's motivation and like i'm i'm like kind of split i kind of feel like he somewhat is just maybe spiteful or like envy like i i definitely think he's somewhat envious but i think he's also a bit spiteful and then of course he could be just something else as well you know you know what i think his motivation is I recently saw a uh, literary analysis on uh, Cowboy Bebop, and one of the things that they said is that what makes that series unique is that you're seeing the characters beyond the uh, the arc of their stories. Okay, so I feel that Johnny's motivation is he he's hit the arc of his life, right? That was high school. Nothing's ever lived up to that but he so desperately wants there to be more. And he thinks the way to get more is to um, go back to what made the things in his, you know, uh, high school life, what gave him the most meaning, which was karate and Cobra Kai and, and doing all that stuff. I think that's his motivation. He's looking for um, the next arc of his life. Uh, like, would you say like nostalgia or I'm hearing or maybe like, un, like unfinished business? Yeah, desire, unfinished business. I, I think that sums it up uh, better. What would you think, Drew? I disagree. I think he's operating out of a place of fear. Um, fear, okay. He's in a rut. You know, he's not moving. He's surviving and things aren't worse than they need to be. You know, I think he fears doing something else and failing, you know, and as long as he's not at that lowest point then he doesn't have to change and he can live because you know he's living in that past he's driving that trans am he's watching iron eagle he's drinking himself to sleep he's you know when he is thinking about stuff he's thinking about the past so he's somewhat comfortable in this rut and then the catalyst you know like the the accident pushes him out of his comfort zone rock bottom isn't the right word but i think he's operating out of a place of fear until he has to make a move he like hates LaRusso. He hates the fact that LaRusso beat him. He hates the fact that LaRusso's successful and that he's all over television and that LaRusso's trying to give him a handout. I mean, he pretty much hates like everything about LaRusso. And I feel like so so maybe so maybe I'll change my answer to to LaRusso's motivating him. And I think that might be a little spiteful, I guess, why why I maybe came to spite. 
Spite'll keep you moving. I have a very clear recollection of a conversation I had with an administrator. <laughs> oh, I thought uh, you were going to call me out on Married with Children. No, uh, I might later. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but no, I had a very intense conversation with uh, an administrator, uh, an assistant administrator, and a teacher at the very first school I worked at. And um, that discussion got real intense. I thought I was right. They thought they were right. Uh, they said some things to me that I disagree with, but they stick to me to this day and they motivate me to this day. And that was 11 years ago. So spite will uh, keep you warm at night sometimes. And spite will maybe not be a hundred percent of what's going on, but it, it'll stay with you longer than like those people who tell you to be nice and, you know, respect people move on, may give it credit for. I got a letter written for each of those people. Um, wow. the day, the day that I work longer than them, cause the lead administrator retired for 28 years, the fellow teacher, uh, she stopped teaching after 13 years. It's so, like she moved into a different area. So I can send her her letter soon. Um, <laughs> and uh, the other assistant admin kind of got my back. She's still working. But uh, if she retires after 30 years, she'll get a different kind of letter. But uh, being being a parent doesn't make you a better teacher. Being a teacher makes you a better parent. I stand by that statement. Let's move on. Cue for the B. So listeners, we're, we're moving into... The Put It Anywhere Guys section of the show where we are going to place the pilot episode Ace Degenerate into our running list of the best and worst pilot ever. You can go to our website, pilotsandbatards.com, look for the tab Quest for the Best and Worst Pilot Ever, and you can see our running list. This is the definitive list of the greatest pilots of all time as defined by your favorite pilot-oriented podcast. Yes. And so I'm just I, I think it's definitely above the cloak and dagger mark and I would say it's below cheers. Yeah, I'm I don't have a problem with that area. The the biggest one I want to draw a comparison to in terms of this show is this pilot really reminded me of X-Men the animated series in that it was 27 minutes long and it really established a lot. You know, like this show, the pilot really laid down what the next 9 episodes are going to be. You know, you don't get a lot of different, and it really crams in a lot of things. I think what could have made this pilot better, um, like less hoistworthy for you, Jimbo, is if they hadn't tried to cram in so much, you know? And so this pilot establishes like almost everything and does so in a somewhat entertaining manner. But if you go back and watch X-Men pilot, I think they do it better. I think they have a lot to introduce in 21 minutes, and I think they do it better. So I would say this pilot could have learned from X-Men. Jimbo, you know how how I barely ever say this. If you want it to be below Buried with Children, I'm fine with that. Um, I have not watched Law & Order SVU, so if you want to make that call, I'm fine with that. Yeah, well, I would put it above Law & Order SVU for sure. Okay. I honestly would put it above Boy Meets World. Okay. As always, Married with Children, you guys you guys teamed up against me. It was wrong <laughs> what you did. And how many episodes have you watched since then, Jimbo, from that awesome pilot that you keep talking about? Counting the pilot? Yes. Just the one. By your criterion, Jimbo, it didn't do that well. Okay. Well, to be honest with you, the only second episodes I've watched out of all these pilots, Rick and Morty, Killing Eve. Oh, and in 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 into the effing world. So there's only three there's only three episodes. Uh I've watched the second episode of This Is Us, One Punch Man, Blackish, Killing Eve, uh, Wonder Years, Lost. I'm a better I'm a better pilot connoisseur than you, man. Okay. You sure are. <laughs> now, where would you rank it? compared to boy meets world this is better than boy meets world you think so okay then let's put it now how about lost um, i i think it's pretty comparable to the pilot for lost. lost i do 
but but I think it's but I think it's comparable. I well I think Lost has been just really hyped. I don't I, I don't think it's that good. I could put it above Lost if you think. You, I can put it above Lost mostly because the thing that Lost is good about that holds up is like production values and attention to detail. This show also has really good production values for what it is, and it also has great attention to detail. So I mean, maybe one of YouTube's, if not first, it definitely has to be one of the first, right? It was it was their first it's the first uh, original. Right, okay. Yeah. So I would say that like comparing those two is good because the things that hold up for Lost are the strengths of Cobra Kai and um yeah. Yeah, I, and they I spent, could put it above Lost. They spent over twelve million dollars on the Lost pilot. I'd be shocked if they spent even a million dollars on this Cobra Kai pilot. That'd be worth looking into. Let's call Will Smith. Okay. So <laughs> we're putting it in at number nineteen. Out of out of thirty six pilots, that's a that's a good showing. So we are now in part three, where we and now to the stage are Stormy Daniels dangling threads of interest. Okay, so I have a couple that that I really, I mean, and these can be really quick. And this was almost a high point for me, but but I wanted to save it. So you have you have Johnny's driving around drinking, and the people that caused the accident is the high school chick texting. Like, what do you guys make of that? Besides just funny. I liked the idea. Like, it's just become such a trope now that if someone's smoking a cigarette, they're going to die of lung cancer. If someone's drinking and driving, their kid is going to get paralyzed or they're going to get paralyzed. Like, we've just been conditioned to think that something horrific is going to happen. If someone does something that's, like, socially unacceptable or, like, illegal, like, drinking and driving is bad. But we've just been conditioned to the point that, like, there will be immediate consequences for it. So I thought that it was, if not clever storytelling, at least non-conventional storytelling to not have it be Johnny's fault to like, he basically drove drunk without consequences. And like, to be real, like there's probably, I don't know the numbers, but there's probably like a thousand people doing that tonight and they shouldn't do it. And there could be horrible consequences, but they'll probably just get home, which does not mean that this pilot does does not mean this podcast endorses drinking and driving. No, there's a thousand people in Southern Oregon driving home drunk tonight. I guarantee that. Okay. Well, there you go. My, My dad routinely drove home drunk. I would say most of my friends back home, at least in some decent chunk of their life, would drive home drunk a lot. I've done it once, like way back when I was irresponsible. Oh, I did it way more than once when I was younger and dumber. Hey, and you're still here. Still here. That that was my reading on it. Do not condone it or think it's cool, though. It's yeah. very stupid. Yeah. Okay, the other one I want to bring up, too, is... uh. I can't take karate serious. Sorry to waste our time. But uh <laughs> dude, karate is such yeah, karate is such a joke sport. And and like the fact that I mean, mixed martial arts, why would you only study one discipline? It just seems like stupid. If you're going to fight someone, why would you only want to fight by such constricted rules as karate? You mean the Dane Cook of martial arts? <laughs> no, ISIS agents do uh Krav Maga. <laughs> i mean i don't know this is just supposed to be funny so i mean i have an actual answer but also like yeah i guess mma fighting has kind of like overtaken has mma fighting like projection for mma fighting bigger than boxing bigger than boxing now bigger than boxing eventually thoughts i would say never definitely bigger than boxing no well i guess i guess i guess it depends on how you define it they they do get better ratings they have a lot more stuff on primetime television dude but no the fighters do not make boxing money yet and I, maybe it's because it's not as corrupt yet as well, but I think the lifespan of UFC fighters is very, very short. 
and they really exploit those fighters. And I think less and less people are going to want to throw away their brains to make a couple tens of thousands of dollars. I think there will always be people ready to throw away their brains for tens of thousands of dollars. Yes, but not <laughs> high quality athletes that boxing attracts. Like boxing is getting ex Olympians, and there's only a couple. I like it. Like UFC is getting ex Division One athletes. I mean, it's just not the same caliber of athlete. And I think it's. I think the reason for that is money. If UFC fighters paid Floyd Mayweather dollars, Floyd Mayweather would be a UFC fighter because he's an elite athlete. So that's my prediction. I think it. I, I think it's kind of dying. I but it's people still watch it a lot so it's still on the bar every or yeah, on the that's uh, true. tv every time i go to buffalo wild wings mma mma i mean it's kind of the same thing with uh with like comparing soccer and like regular football and like Ameri- uh, you know american football when when america starts seeing how much more money soccer players make america's going to transition and become a, a soccer sport because money speaks and you're a lot healthier and you live you know you could have a longer career and not have a bunch of problems later in life well some of those criticisms are kind of bullshit too because like every time that someone Which says ones? that people are like soccer's low scoring i'm like well when the saints beat the giants since 21 to 14 the score is three to two like that was the score to that athletic event so and now we're getting way dangling but cool it's a technical sport (laughs) it is a technical sport and if you do figure out a couple of the rules there's a reason why the rest of the world loves soccer and it's it's a good sport i mean it's it's very much like combat as far as like you're constantly taking and losing ground and you're trying to strike and attack when when you get the opportunity it's cool there's no commercials it's nice cobra kai endorsing soccer I think that the only uh, thing that I had to add, you know, going back to uh, boxing and MMA, and you're talking about their uh, world class, world class athletes. I was talking like Mike Tyson for a second. It, it, it amazes me that the number one thing it takes to be really good at both of those isn't knowing how to punch or kick people. It's being able to run like ten miles without being that winded. Like just the insane shape that you have to be in. Because think about like Rocky might be the most realistic uh, boxing movie because he spends all of his time running and conditioning himself physically so he can take the punch, not, you know, learning how to throw it as hard as he can. Southpaw is a cool boxing movie. It's I think it's underrated, but it's one of the ones I, I really want to see it. Is that Christian Bale? Who's in that one? No, you're thinking about the fight. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, it's, Jake like, it's not an awesome movie for a narrative sake, but it's one of the better movies that like talks about like the technical aspects of boxing. And like what that involves and what training like that actually looks like. So that's a it's a cool movie in that case. And don't forget the great white hype with Damon Wayne's. <laughs> yeah, man. I also agree with Drew that uh yeah, a football score really is like three two, like you were saying. Like you can make the points like over nine thousand yeah. touchdown. <laughs> it's artificial. It's still one instance of the football going over the end zone. Yes. Now, Hoisters, we are running long. Yeah, so Petardar is anything um, that we have thought you might like if you like the pilot or anything we thought about while watching the pilot and anything you might want to find in and tune into. I was shouting out that there's a cool YouTube video uh, that does present Johnny as um, the protagonist of the Karate Kid movie. And it's like four and a half minutes long. And I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to go back to Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3. 
and Karate. What's what's the what's the Will Smith kid one called Karate Kid? Karate but it's Kid. It's like 2014 or something. Karate Kid 2014. I think it's 2010. I think 2010 sounds about right. And Jacob, do you have do you have anything else to add to the Petardar? Uh, I'm just echoing Drews. Okay, so that's so that's a short, sweet Petardar. We also referenced a couple of things I think throughout the show as well. Watch the show; it's a good show. So that's on my Petardar as well. Yeah, this is. I mean, this might have been the first time where we ended up everyone having a rewatch. All right, hoisters, and now we're going to move into part four. If you're still with us, this is the fun part, and our special guest Jacob is going to announce our next section. All right, hoisters. Get ready, because we're doing it again. Pilots and petards hitting you up on the literal best of all days. In this corner, we got Jacob Williams, the challenger, taking on the champion, Drew Garland! Your earbud warning on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) This this is going to be five trivial questions based off of the pilot. And we're mostly going to be looking at, you know, best and precise answers tonight. I do have a tiebreaker question. Unlike last week, we're not, you know, we're not going to have any issues. The tiebreaker question is going to be a very definable point to one person in case we get to that tiebreaker question. Drew's buzz is going to go like this. Buzz. And Jacob's buzz is going to go like this. Ding. Question number one. Most precise answer will, will get the point. According to the billboard sign in the pilot, what does LaRusso Auto Group do? Ding! Jacob. Chop the competition. That is not the correct answer. Drew, would you like to come in for the steal? Repeat the question. According to the billboard sign in the pilot episode when Johnny is driving to work, what does LaRusso Auto Group do? Give you a bonsai tree. You know, I'm going to give Jake the point. Ah. It's kick the competition. Exactly. Oh. We, kick, we kick the competition. So Jacob is going to win that first point. Question number two. The best answer will win this point. Open to interpretation. Your interpretation. Yes. And I am the judge and jury on this one. What is the most interesting fun fact about the introduction scene in this pilot episode? Going back to 1984. Ding. Jacob. That they used uh, never-before-seen footage because they had the uh, dailies back in the uh, from back in the day. That is the answer. Jacob's going to get that point. Drew, where are you at, man? I don't know, man. You want me to come up <laughs> with a fact? I was like, do I make one up? What do I make? Buzz. Ralph Macchio negotiated I mean, but... to keep all of his costumes in his contract. Way to go, Jake. He, he, Jacob read my mind. Okay, two point two zero. Or you listen to the same interviews. You never know. <laughs> Question number three. Most precise answer will win this point. What does Johnny drink after his alarm wakes him Buzz. up? Drew. That's a Coors Banquet. Drew is going to get that point. Boom. So we have Jake with Jacob with a 2-1 lead. Question number four. One more time. Most precise answer will win this point. This is a two-part question, and there will be a bonus point for the second question. When Johnny is beating up high school kids... What does Johnny say to the last kid, Kai, when he grabs him by the neck? And, for a bonus point, what other Karate Kid movie uses that same line? Ding. Jacob. Uh, Having trouble breathing. And do you want to take a stab at the second part? Oh, yeah, that was from uh, 
Karate Kid three when uh, Barnes uh, hit Larusso in the nose, I believe. Jacob is going to get at least one of those points. Drew, would you like to come in and try and make a steal? The first part of the answer is is not completely precise. Hmm. Drew is a thief, Jacob. He will. He will. He use, is. He will. He will steal from you. So but it looks like your nose. Nope, you missed that. The correct ah. answer is, "What's the matter? Having trouble breathing?" And yes, Jacob nailed it. It's from Mike Barnes. Says that to Daniel in Karate Kid Three, Part Three. He earned the belt, man. Okay. Yep. So actually, Jacob, Jacob's gonna win it. Yeah. We have we have a, four a four-one one. lead. We can um. Let's do the fifth question just 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 for fun. I should have started off with this one. Most precise answer will win the point. According to the woman in the bathing suit, what wall does Johnny put the TV on? Buzz. Drew. Uh, she puts he puts it on the worst wall in the entire house. It's on the wrong wall, even though it's opposite the door. It's supposed to be on the other wall opposite the door. It's the only wall in the house you shouldn't put a TV on. Okay, that's that's it. Drew Drew got the sympathy point. Ah. <laughs> I don't, I don't. I don't like that phrase. You're like the most. This, you're like the most accurate one. You're like no, the, the one most that Jimbo precise. Likes the... <laughs> precise. I'm gonna go in the dictionary. Precise equals the one that Jimbo likes the most. I gave you the point. Or sorry, what are you complaining about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my pity point. I only yeah, got the okay. answer right. The the correct answer is quote. Okay, quote. Literally, the only wall in a, the house a TV would not go. End quote. So, so Drew, I will give you that point. So, Drew, um, we we have a new petard champion. We do. Uh, returning hoister Jacob Williams. Th- this is where you splice. This is where you splice in. Dun 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 dun. There you go. Dun 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 dun. You're the best around. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're the best. Fuck. Like, this is why he really deserves the belt right there. No, no. That okay. was brilliant. There you go. Brilliant. That's okay, Jacob. We're going to try and schedule you to come back. Yes, yes. And get you, you have to come to on. defend it. If, yeah. if you don't defend if it within the next 90 days, yeah. you you will forfeit it, and the number one and two contender will <laughs> battle for it. Gotcha. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I will definitely try to come back on and defend it. I, I don't know if I'll be able to do as well here, but... Uh, You'll take on Mo next week. Uh... Mo definitely doesn't do any research, man. She's 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 kind of a an easy victory. She's like zero and one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is. Or no, she's zero and two. I think. Transitioning now to the end of the show, shop talk. We have we have some plugs. Next week we will be tackling Altered Carbon, which is a Netflix series. Our official opening and closing music was mixed by Jake Drew. You can find a link to him. He does make and sell beats online. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram. You can join our Facebook group. And please follow our blog so you can participate in our pre-recording discussions so you can be the podcast you want to hear in the world. And Jacob, would you like to plug anything? I I, I will definitely post your guys' link on, on our show notes. Sure. And definitely, you know, when the episode comes out, you know, put it up on our uh, Facebook page and uh, plug the shit out of it. Um, so, yeah, obviously I'm going to plug uh, Punisher Body Count, you know, the Internet's number one Punisher podcast where we discuss all things Frank Castle. But can I do a really outside of the uh, box uh, plug that I that I think your listeners may like? I've really been getting into pinball recently. You know, the the classic, you know, 
the the classic thing you used to do in the arcade when the Street Fighter Two machine was filled. Um, so I've been recently playing this um, pinball machine called uh, Total Nuclear Annihilation. Okay, and this, this is, is and this a, is the physical machine, right? This is the physical machine. So you know, look up you know your local uh, barcades or you know specialty shop. There's more pinball machines around than you would think. People are starting to get them and restore them and everything and companies are making uh new machines but um yeah this one total nuclear annihilation it was a it was pretty much a one-man show a uh software guy who works in a pinball parts distributor made it you know basically from the ground up did his own music did his own programming you know for the most part and it's a kick-ass machine it's got a woofer in it it's a totally unique pinball experience that if any of your listeners are really into that, you know, definitely find one. There's a website called Pinball Locator that would be a good way to uh, try to find a, a machine near you. Yeah. All right. Uh, one last plug. We are featured on the But Why Though podcast.com uh, website in their podcast community. And I write some superhero movie reviews for that website, too. So go check out Batman Returns and my thoughts on it. It's worth your time. And and you're gonna definitely have to tackle one of those Punisher movies at least. I I have a soft spot for Tom Jane Punisher. I w- I was gonna mention to you, Jake and uh, Dane as well. You guys should check out Killing Eve. I That's think it's cool yeah. Show. What's that about? Really what, cool what's show. the log line for that? Sure. Um, over enthusiastic secretary for uh, British FBI stumbles upon uh, a wild theory about a, a rogue female assassin all over Europe. Uh, she gets fired from her job, but finds out that her theory is true. And she joins the hunt for this assassin. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty good. What platform is that on? That's oh, the issue. That's, that's the problem. I, I ended up having to buy it on Am- Amazon prime. It is, it, it is going to come to Hulu at some point this year, pro- probably later this year. It was on BBC America. So it ran on the AMC streaming app. It got pulled about, like a week days. after we a week after we uh, watched it, watched it, yeah. So I bad. only got through like four episodes, and then I had to buy. I, I ended up just buying the whole se- the whole season, so my dad and brother could watch it. Yeah, it is cool. I am on. Okay, I got. I get to use. I'm going to look it. into that. Yeah. yeah, and 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 then maybe even uh, check out our our episode on it. It's also uh, I think we give it justice, but it's it's a. Uh, I think it's better than than the Punisher series. Like I blew through this thing. Like like I had to buy it it was it was so good and it's one of the it's one of the only series that i've watched all the way through and i would say it's a solid season i only have maybe one complaint or maybe two complaints about the whole season well i think the strength of killing eve versus the weakness of like that punisher series was like wasn't punished 13 episodes ish yeah yeah i think it was 13 killing eve was a real tight eight eight Eight. well it's british so you know the the fact that you got two extra episodes is pretty good yeah, so you guys should check that out, man. I think you'd like it as as a you know it'd be, it'd be a cool you know like assassin comparison to other uh, Punisher, and she's a and she's a super psychopath. We actually analyze her a little bit using uh the psych the psychopath checklist on the show. Well, I definitely get into stuff like that. Like I've got a fascination with um, uh, this is on the topic of true crime, but the, if you've ever heard of the Summerton Man or the uh, Isdal Woman. You know, the leading theories are that they were uh, burned spies, but I mean, mysterious bodies that, you know, were discovered and weird circumstances around it. I don't know. I kind of get into that. And this seems kind of 
uh, tangent to that. So, yeah, I'm going to look into it more. Hey, Jacob, man, thanks for coming on. Like, yeah, dude, um, definitely. Again, very cool. Nice, good talk. No, man, I I really enjoyed this. I really appreciated you uh, having me back. And uh, I actually, while we we're talking, I sent in a request to join the Facebook page. Nice. <laughs> I guess it didn't let you in. We we actually aren't that active on the Facebook page, so maybe I'll go and post post one of our newest episodes. Kind of come on, come on over to our website. The blog is it's kicking around. Our website's probably probably the best place to to engage or or a Twitter. I'm not sure who who does your guys's Twitter. Uh, Dane does. Yeah, like, okay. I, I I I can't stand. Twitter. No Twitter, dude. It, it's a mess. Yeah. It, it it was really tough for me to learn to learn Twitter. Yeah, I just. I don't know, like, what does Twitter do that Facebook doesn't do better? Instant gratification, maybe, I guess. You... I, I guess, I mean, I, I don't like to be, I don't like to be artificially limited on the number of characters. I would have posts. to say that, that Twitter communications are the least sincere thing that I've ever participated with on the internet. Yeah, to network, but also to people who are, like, searching for something. I think search functions on Twitter are a little bit... No, I hate their search function. What do you search for on Facebook, dude? When have you ever like found a community or a thing on Facebook? I, I've I've joined two Facebook groups from podcasts that I listen to, or no, three, three actually, three. That's fine. Um, we just didn't have the same experience. I think I think the best vein of like communication and like collaboration we found has been Reddit. I think getting feedback and getting people to like give us like give us like an honest listen has been Reddit. Reddit's the best place to have to have discussion with randos on on uh, the internet. I don't understand Reddit's format. Like every time I read a thread, I feel like I'm missing half the conversation. Like, so there's a couple ways to order it. You you can order it by like the most liked comment. You can order it by the newest or the oldest comment. So there's there's there is a few ways, and they're constantly switching up the format. But I like to market Reddit as the Craigslist the Craigslist of ideas. So you just go on there and if you and there's going to be people talking about whatever ideas, kind of like Craigslist will be selling like anything. Reddit is not as like um wild westy as people portray it to be, but it is complicated and the thing is what I've found is that Oh cool. Uh every day I'm hoistling, Drew out. Every day we hoistling, Jimbo out. Every day we hoistling, Jacob out.